Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to episode 191 of What Most People Think. And I think this might be the first one for a little while where there are no hangovers to speak of. And I'm, I'm not ill. Um, I would say about hangovers is that I still feel old, but I don't have any new fun memories. So, you know, I'm just saying alcohol, it, it gives and it takes. Um, <clears throat> now, I have got uh, a big announcement. I've done the thing on social media today that I, I hate it when other comics do it. As I said, I've got a big announcement and the announcement doesn't come till next week. And it really is only uh, my pathetic need to sort of send out the message that things are going okay. Um, but I thought to bring in this week's guest, returning to the show is the brilliant Francis Foster. Welcome back to the show. I think uh, you're transitioning, Jeff. Transitioning to what? So because some people have said online, there have been some very funny answers. Some people think that I'm going to call myself Gail. That is... Gail. I, mean, I could be a Gail. I always quite like Gemma. I thought Gemma was always quite... If I was going to be female, I thought I thought that's quite a cool name. Um, yeah. But yeah, Gail, that you know, that's quite an older name, isn't it? It's, it's, you're getting on for a Moira with a name like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I like Gail. Gail's like a South London, you know, like a South London dinner lady. A good, yeah, good solid. So, well, these do, do we have dinner ladies anymore, or like everything is there? Is it an integrated role that has much more linguistic status than it once did? Yeah, but they pay the same. The, the most important <laughs> thing is that when it comes to a dinner lady, she does not that much. She hates kids and she smokes 20 Lambert and Butler. Those are the most important things. Yeah, Gail is an 80s dinner lady. Some people um, have said that I'm, I'm going to join the Labour Party. I mean, it, does, it is this strange thing with politics, and we will talk, have, have a broad sweep catch-up on the politics later, is that they somehow think that being having issues with the Tories means that you're just going to jump Labour, you know. If you're, a, if you're a Rangers fan and you get relegated, you go, well, that's it, Celtic. It's, it can happen in politics, but it's, yeah. a, it's a much longer journey. And Francis, it's good to have you back on the show. Um, I've seen recently that, like all comedians, you're, you're getting stuck in with the clips. We're all doing yeah, clips now. What, what, explain to us the angle that your stuff has been taking, because I've seen some of the clips have gone very big, uh, particularly on Twitter. Well, I think part of it is I'm just really, like most people, I'm just really bored and frustrated, Jeff, by yeah. whenever I see comedians, and look, some of them are very good, and but they're always left-leaning, they're always, you know, the Tories are dicks, the Tories are this, and yeah, they are, all right, but what else mm. are you going to fucking tell us? Are you just going to bash the Tories? It's boring. So I wanted to have a kind of more centrist look, shall we say, yeah. what was happening in politics, and that means you go after left and right. And I think that's far more interesting 
than what we have now, which is mm, Theresa Dix. Boris Johnson's not a nice person. Yeah, we know he's not a nice person. It's boring. Tell us well, something interesting. Well, we will, we will briefly be talking about that later in the show because today is the day that he goes in front of the select committee. Annoyingly, that happens mm. later and we're recording it now, but we can sort of talk about that. We're also going to talk about uh, the Donald, Donald Trump potentially, yeah. potentially getting arrested. So I think that there's a theme there about uh, political big beasts and, and, and bringing them to justice and whether that does them more harm uh, or more good in the long run. I think, you know, when you talk about the problem, I think, if you're identified strongly as a left-wing comic, is I'd imagine that a lot of them would have criticisms of the modern Labour Party, but the drive to GTTO, get the Tories out, is yeah. so strong that if you if you engage in that, then the risk is, and we know that the left often devour their own, is that you'll then be seen as, well, you're just enabling the Tories. So maybe maybe they're, they're thinking of this stuff, Francis, but they just they just fear to tread there. Well, I, th I think part of the problem is as well, Jeff, is that they're so worried about alienating their own side and den and being denied opportunities, which they will be if they step out and actually, you know, go after Keir Starmer and say things like, what does Keir Starmer think about anything? Hmm. What does he think about anything? He, nobody knows. I mean, he he's played a very smart game, which is he's just let the Tories implode. But apart from that... Well, I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? Because he... Um... You know, obviously the Tories imploded. And it's easy to forget that before Partygate, the Tories were, or sort of certainly the Owen Patterson affair, the Tories were still ahead. Uh, and then Partygate just chipped away. And then obviously Liz Truss body slammed the Tory support. And that's where it's remained ever since. Although there's been a, a slight recovery and, and a recent shock poll, which we'll discuss later. And then the SNP started to implode. And you suddenly start thinking, is he like some mafia guy that's just poisoning the minds of his opposition? Because if, if I was a Lib Dem, I'd sniff what you drink. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing with the SNP is the SNP are kind of like the Brexit party in that there are this coalition of people mm. who necessarily aren't actually that politically aligned and don't agree on a lot. The only thing they want is freedom. But mm. that's it. But And as a result of that, they Scotland has been a one-party state for a long time. And like all one-party states, it's coming apart at the seams. Yeah. And like any party who've been in power for too long, they have gone completely mental and they think it's completely at right and sound to put a two-time double rapist into a women's prison because he bought a skip. He bought a skip. He bought a wig that he found in a skip, and now he wears a couple of legs, some pairs of leggings. When, and he when identifies you, as Isla or Isla, whatever her name is. Well, when, when you say two-time double rapist, I, I, I wish you just said that less like a boxing announcer. <laughs> If that if that's okay, the two time yeah. double rate. I oh, will probably get in trouble for that one. All right, let's say hello to some new patrons. Uh, Andrew, Andy Metcalf is is a VIP, a VIP. So he gets the VIP treatment. Remember, if you're a VIP and your birthday is coming up, if you direct message me through the Patreon sites, it's one of the new benefits, uh, and I see it, and I remember. I'll read it out. There you go. That's a fairly nailed on. Uh, Andy Metcalf, what were you thinking for his name? I'm thinking he does sound like a really solid left-back for Man City in the early 90s. I can, I, yeah, you took it right off the yeah, tip of my tongue. I'm saying, actually, more Coventry City. Yep, so both Sky Blue. What is it? Yeah, there's something Sky Blue there. And, and I would say that perhaps he retired early through ill health and, yeah. and, and, and ran a pub, but was the lot, you know, that generation of footballers mm. that, that were the last ones to get out before the big, big money that they must yeah. be so fucking bitter. Just sitting there running their, 
running their boozer and just knowing that if they'd have just hung on in the game like like a few more years, they would have uh, they would have had a property portfolio. It, it must be those people who came just after the boom, like the Ray Parlors, they must mm. be fucking laughing because when they started, mm. yeah, you could earn a decent living, but it wasn't, you know, you couldn't retire off it. And now, like Ray Parler, he's living their life. We all want to be Ray Parler. Well, yeah, I suppose, you know, you have to get into the pundit game. And um, obviously we had a good old chat about that uh, um, last week. I noticed that the, the match of the day viewing figures were, were not as well publicised this week. I don't, I, there, was, there was talk that they were, they were down again from mm. the week where it had... Look, I think there was a lot of reasons why people might have tuned in for that unique, weird 20-minute episodes. But um, I do one thing that comes out of it is, and I said this last week, I do think football punditry has got way out of hand in terms of status. If we stop and think about the purpose that it serves, mm. they're just talking about the game. All right, yeah. they're not cultural. They're not cultural icons. Oh well, I mean Gary is now, but Gary is, mate. And you wash your fucking mouth out because that yeah. man is a saint. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe what he's done for refugees. He took them into his house for about three weeks at a time, each one. So have a think about that, Jeffrey. What I think is 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 impressive with Lineker is that if you look, he's he at an age where we're really looking at, you know, where straight white men have held certain positions for. Uh, a long time and a well-paid for it. You know, so he was the, you know, match of day host for nearly a quarter of a century, highest paid star at the BBC, straight white man. And yeah, he's the geezer's a genius. He's got the whole of the left batting for him. This is, yeah. I mean, anyone would think that he's playing a blinder here. He's, he's absolutely playing a blinder. And he's also said he was a victim of racial abuse in the 80s. Do you remember that? Yes, he, he racial... said that because of, and yeah, he does have, he is... Um, he does have a slightly darker shade than your average Caucasian. Yeah. You're on a tightrope, Jeffrey. Be careful, well, son. No, no. I was thinking a, a darker shade than your average Caucasian just sounds like a weird catchphrase for a cartoon. It does. It does. <laughs> Smarter than your average bear. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> Maybe that maybe that could be Gary's new catchphrase. Uh, we've also got, I think, um, returning patrons who have noticed that their account has been deactivated by Patreon for reasons I've yet to understand. So Paul Riding is back in the fold, the fold, as is Patrick Hickey. And I think that, be, given that we're both from South London, did we? Are you wanting to do a bit of Hickey? Hickey jungle is passé. Is that? I mean, if that's not, if his mates don't do that every time he shows up at the pub, then then they're really missing a trick. Do you know what's going to be really weird, mate? Is when we're mm. pensioners and people are going to be listening. People are going to be asking us what music we listened to when yeah. we were young, and it, you know, it's not you know when I'm 64 or anything like that. It's going to be jungle. It, yeah, I mean, I guess that that has always happened to a point. But then I suppose the thing was when jazz came in for the war mm. generation. At least it was sedate. You know, there wasn't yeah. really. But, but I don't know, maybe comparatively speaking, like you'd have had your speed jazz, like like Speed Garage in the 90s. Yeah, but nobody did pills in order to listen to jazz. Do you know what I mean? Because your kids are going to be like, Granddad, this is this is crap. And you go, yes. But you had a couple of Dexies, mate, and this sounded absolutely banging. Yeah, I suppose it's... Well, I mean, the weird thing, though, is when you spoke to the older generation, they did... They did have some drugs around. It's funny they go, oh yeah, we did black bombers, and you go, you sort of buy. So there was speed around. There was some sort of yeah. speed you could get Valium. So they were, 
they were dabbling, but they just didn't class it for some reason. They they were sort of like they weren't no, they they weren't drugs as such. I mean, I didn't you know I didn't sleep for three days and I was hallucinating. But uh, you know, it's all stuff that was freely available. Was it dad or or had the state just not worked out what the fuck it was yet and legislated? Um, sp- special mention to a friend of the show, Matt Harker, and just a reminder that there are benefits for board members. If you upgrade to twenty quid, uh, you get a signed copy, a hardback copy of my book, which I sent you. And then also uh, on the I tour... I saw it in foils the other day, mate. Are they still selling it, are they? Yeah, it was in foils in London. It was in foils in London. Well, yeah. that, that, well, that, well, that, there you go. That is that is a shot. One, one of the best moments with um, having a book out was when... For some, I don't know why this was such a big deal, but when I saw it in a um, an airport WH Smiths, I don't know why... But that yeah. felt like it's the same as when I've done the odd bit of telly, and it, being on telly is one thing, but seeing yourself in a trailer for something just feels like yeah. a, some next level shit. Uh, it was. It was a big deal. You were on the table in foils, mate. Well, yeah, but I'll be honest, it was on the you know the the second part of the the bargain deal. It's like this is the <laughs> one that you're. So buy the one you want, and this is the one. Where you, take you know what f- you were on, mate? You were on the problematic table. It was all about politics, and there was a couple of books on trans there, and there was Jeffy in the corner. Was was there was there me, uh, Andrew Doyle, yeah. Constantine? Yeah. Con- when yeah. are you going to get a book out, mate? What's what what angle? We, all the what angles are going. Write? What am I, what am I going to write about? How much I hated being a teacher. Probably yes. Just. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. Uh, what would you What would you call it? Uh. I, 12 years of teaching? No, you can't call it that. That's really offensive. You absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely can't call it that. That's <laughs> hilarious. Um, <laughs> all right, crack it on. Oh, David Domain. David Domain's uh, Domain Talking Point, where our super patron David picks up from stuff from uh, last week's show. I was talking about I'd, um, I'd had to cancel my cards and uh, I got stuck in London, essentially. And, and this ended up, for reasons I can't go into again, but me walking without shoes on to King's Cross Station. Um, well, because the, the, the trainers that I was wearing were cutting into me and it was quite a long walk. I didn't have enough cash to use um, the underground. So I had to take the trainers off and walk. When was this? This was uh, not Saturday just gone, but the Saturday before. So it was quite quick. Did you, know, you have a breakdown, mate? Is this, well, that's is this the problem. Is, is that that's what I'm saying. If I'd have got papped, I mean, they would have had to be. It had to be a quiet week if they were papping yeah. someone at my level. Do you know what I mean? If it, fucking hell, everyone's already everyone's in rehab this week. Oh, there's Norcott yeah. with his shoes off shouting. Um, <laughs> so I so David Domain was picking up about the problems with shops going cashless, um, and his question is this. How do you pay if the chip and pin machine crashes, right? Or your bank server goes down for the day without cash as a backup. Your alternatives are writing a check or bartering. I mean, I don't know if, you, if you've had any run-ins where, where you've been stuck uh, for a means of payment. Yeah, I have. Uh, I, I lost my... Well, I go to the, um, the, the gym in South London, so my wallet went walkies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to. Eventually, they did return it. So I think I just lost it, and I'm 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 fairly blaming the gym here and casting aspersions on on it because it's South London. But anyway, uh, and as a result, my cards were, were all cancelled. And and that mm. West being the incompetent gimps that they are, they kept sending cards to the wrong place. Then yeah. they cancelled my Apple Pay, and it it's a really weird discombobulating feeling yeah, yeah. because you you suddenly you know you feel part of a society of society, and just like that. You you mm. you're completely othered. You you are you completely unable to access it. 
You know what was really interesting mm. is when we spoke to David Davis on, on uh, Trig, and uh, he actually kind of said that the Tories, you know, they 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 slipped it in during wow. COVID and made society more cashless. Wow. So yeah, of course you've been having great guests on. Um, have you had Piers Morgan on yet? Yeah, uh, we could, we got him tomorrow, mate. He's coming out tomorrow. The P Dog. <sighs> Fucking hell, mate. Fucking hell. You're getting big, big people. David Davis. Piers Morgan, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have to create like a lower level one for likes of people like me, like you know, tr trigger diet trigonometry. <laughs> <laughs> Bring um, it on, mate. Yeah, so you know, but it was weird. It was a really weird feeling, actually, that you know you're walking around and realistically, like nothing has changed, but everything is, you can't access anything. Do you know what you got to feel like? You got to feel like being a pensioner. Okay, we're just going to do a quick thank you and a fuck you. Um, I'll take the thank you. Um, I'm going to dance around this one a little bit, but basically there was it was brought to my attention by a patron that there was somebody, I'm not going to say who it was because I don't do beef, but um, there was somebody, I'll say that he uh, is loosely involved in com comedy and did a sitcom recently that in the footnote of his book uh, was talking about the fact that he performed at a, a pro fox hunting event by accident or something I was basically saying well at these kind of events you can't get um you can't get like right wing comedians or something and um you know they must there's only so many times you can watch Jeff Norcott and Jim Davidson like at extreme events or something along these lines yeah. and I sort of thought you know as you get long enough in this game where you think I don't I don't mind people thinking I'm a twat um yeah. I don't even mind the lazy Jim Davidson uh comparisons but when, I've got this weird thing where if somebody sort of implies something I haven't done, it, it does get under my skin. It's like, you know, Marty McFly of getting called yellow. Yeah. Getting called chicken. No, chicken. Yeah, getting called chicken. It does because like I sort of thought, look, I've done a lot of things, but I, I've never performed at an extreme event, partly because I know that there's several bellends would love me to make that full step so they could use it as a stick to beat me with. And and I just I just sort of I thank you to the patron that brought it to my attention. I just what I'd say, just to clear it up, because it often gets said, I've never moaned about not being on telly or being cancelled, because that would be ridiculous. Because obviously I do appear on television, so that would be patently fucking ridiculous. And I've never said, this is another one that gets thrown at me a lot, that I identified as a fucking penguin. I've never done that joke. I studiously avoided doing that joke. So, But those are the two, those are the three things. If you want the holy trinity of stuff yeah. that I get, is that Jim Davidson uh, moaning about being cancelled and doing jokes about identifying as penguins. Now, I've done a lot of shit jokes in my times, and that's just one shit joke I haven't done. Do you have um, Do you have a thing that you sort of have to field routine? I suppose one of them is people just think that you're a right-winger. Yeah, people think that I'm a right-winger, that they lean into it. Um, when I went on Rogan and uh, cunted off the entire comedy industry, uh, I got called racist, uh, that I'm a bad comedian. And one comedian even went, I'm not going to mention their name, even went on a podcast and went, uh, that I moaned about not being booked at the comedy store because he couldn't think of another club that I wasn't booked at, I wasn't playing regularly. Uh, and it's just weird. You just have people making up these falsehoods about you. And it's it's really interesting because you, you, the bigger you get, the more you become kind of an avatar. And it's mm. not really you they're having a pop at. It's this idea of you, this kind of image that they've created in their minds. 
and that is exists on the internet. But but isn't that probably true though? Also of left wing comics that they get accused of like, oh, all you do is bash Donald Trump or Boris, and they might be thinking, I haven't actually done any of that shit for a year and a half. It it probably does go both ways, right? No, fuck him. <laughs> there you go. The double down. Slagged off the entire yeah. comedy community once. Had a lot of blowback. It's fought it through and gone. I'll do it again. Uh, yeah. So, well, I mean, I was going to say a fuck you from Francis Foster, but I feel like we've done it. Unless there's anyone else you want to, uh, any other avenues you want to close down today? Yeah, mate, I love doing this. This is this is this is what I started trigonometry for, so I could piss off people in the, in comedy. No, what just? Look, I've got no problem with a legitimate criticism if someone goes. Look, you did this interview. I don't think you pushed back enough. You should have done it. And then I go, well, you know, actually, you've got a point, and I, that's yeah, something I yeah. can learn from. But when people just make stuff up or they say stuff that isn't particularly, you know, or they, they, you know, they make a criticism about you in an interview and then go, well, I didn't watch the interview. I just watched the clips. You're like, come on. Well, I mean, that actually will bring us very neatly onto our first political subject of the week. All right, so we spoke about people jumping to a conclusion based on a, a fragment of evidence. So we'll actually start with the, the photo of Suella Braverman. So old Suella, I mean, and let's just say it's worth repeating every single time you mention her, that it, it, her name is uh, uh, supposed to be a conjoining of Sue Ellen. I mean, that is that is where it came really? from. It, yeah, genuinely. What started as a joke turns out to be utterly true. That is that yeah. is... That is probably the weirdest fact in politics. Um, and she's an unusual woman. She's an unusual communicator, you know, and um, another in a long line of home secretaries. Because one thing I thought that's interesting, right, is obviously there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the, the, the kind of tone of government policy on immigration. Find me a, a home, home secretary that hasn't been like this going back into the new Labour era. Blunkett was pretty hardcore. You know, yeah. I mean, Diane Abbott in opposition might have been a... Might have been. I mean, there's a, a slightly different proposition, but this is kind of what home secretaries do now. Their, their, their role is to seem tough on immigration, but certainly with a couple of the government's recent policies, they've taken it a bit beyond that. And into this context, she flies out to Rwanda to have a look for herself and makes one quote genuinely about the interior decoration, which is which was seriously ill advised. But then this photo, um, this photo emerges of Suella Braverman um, seeming to be standing in front of some sort of facility seeming and laughing like a diabolical villain mm -hmm. at the end of a sort of 1980s superhero film. Now, of course, you know, we were talking about one clip culture with Constantine the other week. It turns out that's been cropped and there are two other people in that photo, uh, two black people in that photo. And, and so it's been who cropped it and why? Well, why did they crop it, Francis? Why, why, why did they do it? Why did they do it? Because it's a cheap way to get retweets, clicks, likes, followers, whatever else. Mm. And it was James O'Brien who did it as well. Was he? The first yeah, one? Yeah, James O'Brien was the main culprit behind it. And what James did, because James is a very shrewd political operator, he clipped out the man, the man and the woman who were next to Suella, who were both black, because, yeah. you know, that's good. that means it's not going to get as much traction because the optics aren't as good. So yeah. the main focus is on Suella laughing, and therefore, the, and then, you know, the story becomes much more uh, toxic, shall we just say. And as a result, that becomes more divisive. And we all know that divisive content is what creates clicks and retweets and shares and engagement. So that's why he did it. 
But the people, what I just get with these, you know, it's the same with video clips. You see a 25 second video yeah. clip that it just doesn't occur to people that there might be a, a wider context. Now, is there a context with this photo where you could slightly justify that, saying that that image, almost like a satirical purpose, whereby mm. that image cropped sort of typifies how people feel Suella Braverman is? Mm. Well, maybe you could, and maybe you could say, you know, there's a kind of joke there. Although, you know, I don't know if you saw this, someone then superimposed Suella Braverman laughing in front of uh, Auschwitz. Wasn't that Steve Bray, the, the Stop yeah. Brexit guy? You know, so so this is all of this collectively with Lineker, with these photos, with Suella Braverman. I guess what it's pushed out into the public domain is that the Tories are tough on immigration, right? One way or another, yeah. whether you whether you um, agree with that or whether you support that or whether you're against it. And there was a there was a shock Delta poll, you know, one of these mm -hmm. millions of fucking polling companies that are constantly shit stirring and trying to get us arguing every day that puts the Tories, get this, Francis, only 10 points behind. <laughs> 45 <laughs> plays 35. Now, of course, I mean, we could take the piss. That is, but that is, as that's, there's been no poll that's put the two parties that close for, for quite some time. So, so, I mean, it might be an outlier. You know, mm. there was, there was one the other day that put the Greens on, the Tories on 20 and the Greens on 13. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the problem is is the Tories, and look, every government goes through this. The Tories have come to the end of their tenure. They just have. We 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 feel it. We understand it. We all know it. Uh, the reality is, however, is you, you look at Labour, and like I said before, you think to yourself, well, "What are you offering that is different, innovative? What is your idea for the future? What is your vision for Britain?" And I don't think they have one. And when you're in that situation. That's really quite worrying because I actually think that Rishi is very competent. I think he's actually very good. I don't think he's particularly charismatic. They'd put his policies that I disagree with, but I actually think as an administrator and as a manager, he's a lot better than what we've had before. I think he's a lot better than Boris, not as a campaigner and as a, as a political figure, but as somebody who gets things done. Like if you think about you know the migrant the, the migrant crossings, he agreed that deal with Macron. With Brexit, he agreed the deal with Northern Ireland. This is a guy who's very efficient and very smart. And David Davis said that in his interview that he was the, by far and away the smartest out of all the political candidates for the Tory Party. So you sounds like you um, you keep mentioning David Davis. There. I think you fancy David Davis a bit, mate. He was in the SAS. He's pretty slick, isn't he? He's a bit yeah. He's a bit on the smooth side. He's on the smooth side. He came in and he sat down and we go, right, what's your history? And he talked to us about it. And the constant went, what about the SAS? He went, oh, yeah, I forgot that. That is, a Mate, he has played you like an old piano now. He's got to two young acolytes. Why don't you just go and marry David Davis? <laughs> I think that I think that it's an interesting point you make about Labour. I mean, this this there's some nice links this week, but it takes us back to last week's um, budget whereby Hunt kind of got up and delivered a budget that did, you know, left and right tried to focus on the things that served them. Mm -hmm. um, the left-wing press tried to ignore the the free childcare thing, which I think was a big thing, and the right-wing mm -hmm. press, um, you know, focused a lot on the, the pensions thing. Um, and, and what I thought was interesting, one was it was the most boring budget I've seen in fucking years. Like, yeah. I mean, the budget's known that you have a few zingers in there. Even old spreadsheet Phil Hammond used to sort of uh, bust out a few one-liners, right? But, yeah. 
But Hunt, apart from a sort of side side swipe at Matt Hancock, really didn't say much. And then and then um and then Starmer got up and I've got to say, it was the worst response to a budget I've seen in my lifetime. It was really surprising how shit it was. And I thought, the I mean, well, first up, you've got Hunt versus Starmer across the dispatch box, which is the same bloke in, you know, in different stages on a rack. You mm-hmm. know, like they just one of them just looks like a stretched out version of the yeah. other. And I sort of thought, is the reason that Starmer looks so uncomfortable is because he's going, that's basically what I would have done. Yeah. I think that I think that's a large part of the reason. Starmer is a very centre-left politician, and that is. It wasn't reason. always. I mean, go back to leadership campaign. We say that now. It wasn't always. I mean, he was like. I mean, he was against the Iraq War once upon a time. You know, there we had the anniversary of that this week. He, he, no one's asked him any questions about that. He's going to privatise everything. You know, he's going to tr- restore freedom of movement. He was a friend. Of, I, was, I'm a, I was a friend of Jeremy's. I was a friend of Jeremy's. So, yeah, I give you that. that, that he's none of that stuff now. But, my no. God, he was in his recent past. Well, he was, but he also is pragmatic and smart enough to realise that you can't be a radical and win the general election because you need to appear to the, appeal to the centre. And mm. the only way the centre is going to go with a radical is if things are so dire that they've got no other option. So he's played a very, very smart game. Uh, alienating the hard left, uh, kicking out Corbyn from the Labour Party. These are all very, very intelligent things that he's done. He's a very shrewd political operator. I, just like everyone else, don't know what he actually stands for. No, I mean, that that's one thing. Is I, I listened to him on Matt Ford's podcast recently, mm. and it was, it was impressive. He was genuinely had a bit of character about him, you know, something you could buy into. And then, yeah, he did an announcement, I think, a couple, few weeks ago. And then in the budget response, I just thought, well, there's no personality whatsoever. He, the degree to which that he focuses on notes, right? So at the budget, there's a chance there that something you say is going to be in the news. Like, it has to be yeah. Yeah. because they have to balance out stuff. You can't just say the government said this and this is going to be the absolute dog's bollocks and nothing in response. So because of Ofcom, they have to show something else. And what you have is a guy literally looking down every sec, like literally, like he's just, what the message that he's given out is that people are telling him what to say, right? Mm-hmm. And so he, 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 look, he looks up rarely. I just think, I don't understand why he doesn't just go off script sometimes and show a bit of personality. Come a general election, he'll have to debate sooner. I mean, fucking hell. Yeah. That's a dismal concept. Even as I said, it's Sunak versus Starmer. But the, here's, here's the thing, right? With Sunak and with Starmer, I actually probably think they're, they're quite competent. They're managers. They will yes. do a decent job. But there's no personality there. And maybe, you know what, Jeff, maybe that's a good thing because we've had personality with Trump and Boris and, you know, maybe personality ain't all that. Maybe we could have a compromise. I mean, people always say this about, oh, I'm actually ready for boring. You go, oh, let's not swing all the way to fucking super kind of Dungeons and Dragons maths club boring. (laughs) I mean, that's what Sunak is. Sunak, you just know. If you started chatting to Sunak at a party, you'd be like, oh, fuck. He is yeah. just a management consultant. That's what Sunak is. He must well, have popped out of the womb and his mum looked at him and went, yeah, this one's a management consultant. KPMG. Do you think, do you, do you think that that is generally what um, mums do when, when kids are born? <laughs> like they, they just sort of like, they, they sort of sniff the air and then they just go project manager. Yeah, I think so. Project manager, uh, this one's going to end up a disgrace and this yeah. one's going to end up a teacher. 
Yeah, well, this one came out and smacked the midwife's ass, so we're going to have problems there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's enough about Boris, but... Um, well, well, I mean, you've done so well this week in bring, giving us links into the next subject, because we're now going to talk about uh, the Donald and the Boris. Okay, so a couple of the big beasts of the last sort of five years of politics are, are in the news again for different reasons, with uh, mm. Donald Trump facing potential uh, uh, arrest and indictment and, and Boris Johnson. As we, as we record, unfortunately, as we're recording this, um, he's going to be in front of the select committee. So fuck, if he got his knob out and we're not talking about it, don't don't presume that we're being shields for Boris Johnson. We simply don't know. Um, now, just to start with Trump. So the the main thing is that that there was a payment um, of one hundred thirty thousand dollars to Stormy yeah. Daniels, the porn star, yeah. and, and it came from his his lawyer, Michael Cohen. Right? Can I just stop you there? Right. You can. This is the most interesting thing that has happened on this podcast so far and will be. This is why Trump is box office, mate. What other politician would would do this? You are you are you daring to say that Donald Trump is more interesting than Jeremy Hunt and, and <laughs> Keir Starmer? <laughs> I think I might be, mate. I might be. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean immediately go porn star paid off. I mean, it yeah. certainly if if you if you like politics as a form of something between public service, entertainment and sport, which is how I view it, then, yeah. then yeah, there's plenty to get your teeth into here. And and there was a payment that Trump made of $130,000 to his, his lawyer, Michael Cohen. And then, mysteriously, Michael Cohen also paid Stormy Daniels $130,000 uh, around a similar time. And, you know, some people would say that that was hush money. Just imagine if Trump came out and went, yeah, I slept with her and what? Mm. it's not as if you go well that's completely out of character well I mean there was that incredible film and I don't know if people have seen it called Campaign with um, with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis I can never say Zach Galifianakis Zach Galifianakis and it's sort of there's one bit in it where they start out at one point it comes out that one of the uh, the candidates has slept with the other guy's wife and then oh shit this is going to be a disaster and then of course his poll rating goes up because you can never predict what the public think yeah um so so yeah it's it's always really difficult isn't it to work out how this would play you know so Trump's got this this base of supporters that think that he's been stitched up by the American establishment so would the sight of him being arrested would that to them seem to be the deep state moving against him, or is it just you know somebody facing justice uh, like like anyone? Well, look, the thing is with Trump is they have wanted him out of that presidential race for a long, long time now, and they're going to do whatever they can. If you think about it, they're trying to arrest Donald Trump, but they're not going to arrest George W. Bush for starting an illegal invasion which led to the deaths of millions of people or a million people and was based on a lie. So you mm. but you're gonna arrest Trump for paying 130 grand to a porn star. And that to me smacks of double standards. And I actually think it's a pretty dumb move because if they get rid of Trump, they're gonna get DeSantis in and I think DeSantis will win. I think well, he's but then but then that's the point. Is isn't isn't surely that you just got a Justice has got to be seen to be done without fear or favour, right? It's the same to me as, as um, if they think he's guilty. Now, now, if you're talking about them doing things that they wouldn't do for other ex-presidents, that's a separate issue. But but if, if the evidence is there, it's like, you know, that crazy idea that when people vote for things, it should probably happen. Um, 
mad old concept that we lost yeah. sight of for a while back there. So you've just got to you've got to apply justice and, and be damned with the consequences. Well, I, I completely agree, but then justice needs to apply fairly to every single person. And as I've just said, it ain't being applied fairly. And that's what people are going to pick up on. And mm. they've got a point. They've got a point. You can't go after Trump for this and then not for other presidents who've committed other, other misdemeanors or, or, or other criminal offences. Well, I mean, yeah, there was talk this week. Uh, I saw an article um, talking about how, you know, Gordon Brown was talking about Vladimir Putin's war crimes and, and um, you know, and about an illegal invasion. And, and it, is, it is something I don't know if we fully reckoned with that our country no. did illegally invade. And I know there's a lot of, you know, protest at, at the time. But if you look at the timeline of events that that gave rise to that you know that's one of my fears about Starmer is I just get the vibe that if we were in the same position again he would do exactly the same thing do you reckon Starmer would have a go on Stormy Daniels do you think he would Um, I just think yeah is he you know, the kind of guy that, yes, I, look, it's just a, look, I know what you're trying to do here. I mean, would he even use all that shit even as, even as the deed, the deed is happening? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like she said, well, do, do you want to go on top? Well, look, I'm not going to say whether I'm going to go on top or not. I think it's just too early. It's too early to make that sort of call since COVID. I mean, yeah, he, but, but this is the point, right? And before anyone accuses us of being crass and lewd, yeah. I just wonder, I'm not saying if Starmer did something like that, but if it turned out that there was a photo of him winking at a good looking young yeah. aide, I think his poll ratings would go up. I'm not of saying course. he should do it for that reason. I'm just saying that is how the public's minds work. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Starmer's the kind of person who... Um, he, you know, mid for grante with with a young lady would stop and think about would this, you know, would this alienate the left wing of the Labour Party? You know, he'd be worried about it. Oh, well, worried but about if he thought it would alienate, he'd go right. Let's let's, let's yeah, let's, let's absolutely go for it. But would would this piss off Owen Jones? That is, <laughs> you know, that's the only thing. Up for the, would this piss off <laughs> Navarra Media? I mean, it does bring, you know, in terms of we're talking about um, shaggers and swordsmen, uh, yeah. it does bring us on um, to Boris. So, as I say, we don't know what's happening in this three to five hour select committee meeting. Um, I, I mean, maybe we could sort of speculate what, what will happen. I think it will probably provide great content. So mm -hmm. there'll be montages of him looking disheveled, putting his hand against his forehead roughly. There'll, there'll be loads of that shit. Um, there'll be because he's going to be accused of a lot of stuff so you'll get he, he's quite expressive when that happens mm. so you're going to get it's just going to be one of the most memeable things that's ever happened yeah and but if you compare Boris to Trump and the UK to America you see mm. this is why America it's, it's box office you know it's a porn star it's a president it's $130,000 you know he's saying you mm. know you've got to come and protect me and there's going to be people with guns trying to protect Trump. What were you doing in the UK? Boris had a bit of good cake at a party and lied about it. Do you think that is the worst thing Boris has lied about? No, I mean, I mean, it is, you know, Partygate. 
I, look, I do think if you if you knowingly intentionally lie to Parliament, that has to be you know there has to be red line issues. And and my my hunch was always at the time that he had done that and he'd done yeah, of it course. Um, repeatedly. And it is hard. It will be hard when we speak to you know when when generations in the future when we talk about prime ministers and why they resign. And, you know, some of them, you know, like it would be really clear cut. And then we get to Boris and we go, so there, so there was this cake, right? <laughs> and they'll go, what? A cake? You go, look, you don't understand, man. Because the context will be gone. The further we get from COVID, it's really hard to explain why these things um, were were so important. But I guess the, 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 the sort of drive of his argument is going to be that he'd received assurances from civil servants and that when he said he'd acted within the rules... Um, um, it was under the advice of others. So, I mean, if he look, if he can pull out evidence to that, it'd be fucking inconvenient for the Conservative Party if he can, right? Mm. But my, I think that if he had that evidence, that would have already come out by now. Mm. Do you see what I mean? He would have already actually put it put it out there. So or did he want? Or does he want? I mean, this is the point we're always guilty of giving politicians more credit than they probably deserve. Or did he want the most high-profile, you can't handle the truth moment? I can't imagine him saying those words. Yeah, I mean, it'll be in Latin. I mean, it will be in Latin, <laughs> and it will be badly conjugated. Um, yeah, it'll be. Look, it'll be. It'll be very. It'll be very interesting. I, I think a lot of this, Jeff, is as well is to do with people's anger. People's anger over COVID, uh, you know, the, the way it was, you know, handled. Look, let's be fair as well. The Tories were in an impossible position. Mistakes were always going to happen. But I think the Matt Hancock thing and all, all of these types, uh, all of these incidents, there's just mm. a lot of anger and they just want to see someone punished. I mean, I wonder for the Conservatives, it, it does bring up, it does muck up, it does dredge up old muck, doesn't it? And again, this is where the Labour Party seems to be leading a charmed life is just at the point where Rishi, I mean, poor old little Rishi, mm. the old junior, junior apprentice Rishi. I mean, he's going, like you say, he's going out of there doing deals. You know, people have their own view of whether the Windsor framework work is, is the right deal, but he's getting things done. Mm-hmm. And then just every time he does it, there'll be a Tory. There'll be, there'll be some self-destructive person with an ax to grind. I mean, Boris, there's every chance today that he could say something like genuinely shocking, right? Cause yeah. it'll be under interrogation. For I mean, like he, I mean, I said I mentioned a few good men, and the point about that film is when Jack Nicholson cracks, right? He cracks, and he says, "You can't handle the truth." And the point is, he says, "Yeah, I fucking broke the rules." It would be brilliant, wouldn't it? He goes, yeah. "You're goddamn right, I had a cake." <laughs> yeah, and then we, uh, do you think those after eight minutes didn't come with a straw? We were doing gear as well. We were doing what it took. It was a goddamn pandemic, you little pissant. I think no. I, I think that would be too much integrity, even for Boris, mate. Uh, so I mean, be- again, like the way the public go. I wonder if, if in terms of public perception, that might be the approach. The most honest was like, yeah, we did because it was fucking hard, and yeah. and we were making decisions on the fly, and we did feel like Parliament was a bit different from the rest of the country because we literally had to be working. But but this is a problem with politicians; they just can't. They're not allowed. They don't know how to just tell the full truth. Yeah. I mean, if they came out and go, look, this was the pressure I was under. This is the stress. It's been framed as a pie. It wasn't a pie. It was a few people gathering around, having a drink. When we're making a decision, we're making decisions about the country that, how can I put this, that were that were literally life and death in the way that they haven't been since the Second World War. 
And do you know what? I had a bit of cake and I had a few drinks and there were a few people there. So fucking what? What are you going to well, do? All, all of which I think would, would, would land okay, but then you reckon that against the fact that people couldn't say goodbye to dying loved ones. That's the problem for them, isn't it? Yeah. As you go, And that the problem is, is because the rules were too fucking strict. Okay, we're just going to do a quick hype here. Um, in terms of the tour, we've now got sold out dates. I don't know why the comics always say we, like there's some big team. It's yeah. me. You know, I've got people I work with, but it's not some fucking entourage. I mean, it's me and a Seattle beefer. Um, <laughs> Saffron, Walden, Leamington Spa, the first two dates are sold out now. Colchester sold out. Bristol sold out. I would say sold out. A couple of these have got like single seats, but I always think that that's basically, uh, to all intents and purposes, sold out. Unless you're... Uh, anti-social or unpopular so then or just Disney. come along oh by the way a lot of people do come to uh sh shows I, was, uh, I don't know how many autistic people are there uh, i've never dropped a load of pens rain, <laughs> rain man rain man <laughs> reference um so yeah people do a lot of people do come to comedy on their own so don't yeah. feel that that rules you out and I, i've heard recently you know online speculation about what my audience um are like and Francis, they're not that different from like the standard touring audience, are they? Mate, they're significantly older. They're a bit older. Well, Mate, which ones did no, you do? Don't even try I'm editing this out. I'm editing this out, so it doesn't matter. No, um, no, yeah, I'm not letting you have that. I'm not letting you have that. Do you think? Do you think I would let let a fucking old gammon like you do do the trendy ones? <laughs> do you think I'd let you anywhere near Bristol, mate? You'll never get near the trendy ones. Yeah, you did Maidstone. They would. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> Mate, I did Cardiff, and I got a tweet, by the way, from a very nice man, right? Yeah. He said, I love your set. I was in the second row in a mobility scooter. What, what's Mobility scooters are age non-specific, mate. Yeah, I mean, he, he, was, he was a senior gentleman. Okay, we'll put it, we will say there was a Sunday night, and that they were the people that didn't have work the following day. I'm just hyping a, a few dates here. So I'm in Wickham, first ever tour date in Wickham on the 14th of September. Back in Lincoln on the 16th of September. First ever tour date in Halifax on the 21st of September. Then in Cheltenham, first ever tour date there on the 24th. Back in Peterborough on the 28th. And back in Cardiff on the 4th of October on a fucking Wednesday. I mean, yeah. at some point, I'll go to Cardiff on a good day of the week. Uh, Spalding, you pricks in Spalding, man. 12th of October, so I did a tour show there and it was so, so attended. Then I did a club gig there and loads of people go, come back. And I said, well, no, none of you came last time. Come back. And it's one of the slower ones out of the block. So this is, the, you're on fucking notice, Spalding. If this one doesn't sell out, I'm never coming back. Um, Carlisle, the 18th of October, and then Belfast and Dublin on the 24th and 25th of November, respectively. Um, how's things going? Are you, are you still out on tour, mate? Is there live work that we should be... Uh, so I'm doing a show at the Etc. Theatre. You see, you're playing theatres, mate. I'm playing the smallest theatre in London, 42 seaters, because I like it intimate, all right? You, that, why did that sound pervy there? I like it intimate. <laughs> I, yeah, like, so, I like to maintain unbroken eye contact. Know what exactly. I mean, Jeffrey? Yeah, uh, so I'm doing the Etc. Theatre on the 5th of April, come down. Um, yeah, it's 42 seats. It's going to be me, Scott Capuro, and... Uh, uh, Jonathan Cogan. So it's going to be nice. We're all going to be doing new material. Mm. It'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun. But I'm I'm looking forward to your tour, Jeff. I'm looking forward to your new material. So am I. Just a quick one here at the end. So this morning, the report landed about the Met Police that concluded that it was institutionally 
uh, racist, sexist, homophobic. I'm going to presume other stuff too. Yeah. Uh, it's not wasn't a great report for the Met. It was instituted by after the Sarah Everard case, mm. and it's got to be said that there's some really genuinely horrible examples in there of a of a Sikh man having his beard cut and uh, and and certain like, well, I mean just 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 a lot of fucking awful stuff. Um, what I wanted to talk to you just sort of quite specifically mm. here is the Met Police does seem to be sort of. Uh, just always be lurching from one crisis to another. The interesting thing from the public's point of view is the inevitable consequence of this is that as a force, they'll have to lean more into the progressive stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You know, to, to demonstrate more. Whereas that for a lot of people in the public will be the perception of where they are already, right? A lot of the public will be, perception will be that they spend too much time doing TikTok dances and painting, you know, painting their horses rainbow colour. You know, I'm not saying they've done this, but this is, you know, the kind of perceptions... And, and actually people want them to get stuck in and do more old-fashioned, uncompromising policing. Mm -hmm. So how do they get around this need, Francis? I mean, is it... Are they a fundamentally broken institution? I mean, the, the Sarah Everard case is awful, 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 awful. Particularly when you... I mean, obviously, the, 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 the crime itself was despicable. But particularly when you think that Wayne Cousins' his nickname in the force was the rapist. Mm. He exposed himself, I think, 10 days or two weeks or something like that, but in a McDonald's and nobody did anything. And when, mm. when you hear stories like that and then the act itself, the crime itself, you think something is desperately wrong with the Met Metropolitan mm. Police. And I, I don't know what they do, to be honest. I, I don't know what they do. They need to do something because public trust in the Metropolitan Police, I think, is probably the lowest it's ever been, particularly amongst women, and understandably so. So I think mm. they're going to need to do something drastic. I don't think that they, you know, to embrace DIE, which they might do, and, and it makes sense to do, because then you go, well, look, we've, we've invested all this money in all these diversity training schemes. I mean, I would say about, you know, stop, stop and search it is... Um... I was thinking about, you know, the disproportionate mm. nature of stop and search on, on young black men. And you, uh, I, I, have you ever been stopped while out and about? Yeah, but it was with my mate who was black. And this was in, this was in uh, Essex when I was at university there. And somebody, somebody smashed in a pub window and they blamed my mate James. Obviously, it was nothing to do with James at all. So was that based on any, any evidence at all? No, it wasn't based on any evidence at all. So he was just driving around. They just stopped him. Uh, no, we were walking down the road. We were walking down the road past past the pub, and yeah. we got stopped by the police. And both me and him got searched because they said that we smashed up a window, and we were like, "Well, we haven't." And uh, to be fair, the police officer was very good, very professional. He went, "Look, I've got to do this." Bar bar bar. He went, "Can you just do it?" Pat but that's the it? only time you've been stopped and searched. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the only time I've been stopped and searched. But also as well, Jeff, and look, this is something that people don't want to acknowledge. Uh, it was in the, the government report, um, the Tony Tony Sewell's report, that black men were 24 times more likely to be murdered than their white counterparts. And very frequently, mm. it was by the hands of another black male. So what, so what do you do with that? You know, the, the mm. people who go, well, stop and search, you know, it's racist, it, it targets black men disproportionately, and of course it does. But what do you do with that stat? I mean, the problem is it does leave a legacy. I went through a period you know, as a sort of working class white male in London mm. of being, you know, maybe not, you know, sort of uh, 
stopped as much as a young black man at that time, but I was stopped quite a bit. Mm. And I remember uh, it did it did change my view of the police. I started to view them with suspicion, tension. Yeah. You know, it meant that every time next I was more uptight when I spoke to them. So it does have a legacy. But I remember there was this one time when um, I'd been out. I'd, I'd got my recent student loan right, yeah. and it had gone quite sensibly, gone and spent it on a brand new PlayStation. And I'd also bought this fucking ridiculous PVC jacket because I was a clubber at the time. And I must have like a right twat walking around uh, Centre Court shopping mall in Wimbledon. And um, and I'd just gone in and bought a, a PlayStation. And then me and my mates and my guy had gone and got in my in my dodgy motor and just somebody, someone must have seen us put a PlayStation in the back. And my God, as we was driving up by the back, you know where Saver Centre is? Yeah, There's a yeah. like, single lane carriageway. And um, sorry, it's gone pure South London yeah. chat now. But... Um, we got pulled over by untold police cars, meat wagons, uh, fucking unmarked vehicles and stuff. And then this proper, proper like CID, the Sweeney guy comes out and, and he, he obviously thought he absolutely had us banged to rights. And, it, you know, we're really quite aggressive with us. And they started asking us all these weird questions. Uh, you know, they, they try and disorient you. Yeah. And, um, and he says, uh, where, where, where are you from, mate? And he, my mate said Croydon. He was like, oh, Croydon, your team must be West Ham then. Or, you know, he's just asking slightly, you know, yeah. just... Tr- and and it, the the I'll just tell this story because I can remember the look on the 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 lead copper's face when he realised that there was nothing there. And I said to him, I said because I was quite, you know quite a nice boy. I was like, yeah. do, do you want, do you want to see the receipt? So when they opened the the boot of the car and there was a PlayStation in, it was like proper like copper bingo, yeah, bang to rights, you know, slam you over the hood of the thing. I was like, do you want to see the receipts? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, oh fuck. And, and no, no apologies. Yeah. No apologies. I mean, it was and, and it was a da- it was dangerous the way they almost ran us off the road to yeah. pull us over as well. Um, so yeah, you're right. It, it, it's it, at ground level is a fucking tricky one, but um, it's like the migrant situation. It, that's this is why I don't get into politics. Over to you guys. <laughs> Find a fucking solution. I'll just I'll just talk about it. Okay, so we've got a couple of letters here. We've got, um, by the way, I do love a letter, personal dilemmas, that sort of thing. Um, This is from Andy Metcalf, our new Patreon. He says, do you do requests? It'd be great if you could talk through a simulation of all the political parties having to go through a massive MMA UFC fight in an octagon in Tower Hamlets. The winner is the worthy PM. I sort of thought, so he's pitching this as like a a, maybe a programme idea. I sort of thought, it's interesting to think which party would be the hardest. That's what I thought he was getting at at first. Like which political party, pound for pound. I'm not talking just sheer numbers. David Davis was in the SAS, mate. David Davis is in. Yeah, but you get a lot of willowy Tories, don't you? For every David yeah. Davis, there's a Reese Mogg. Yeah. Um, and and you get a lot of them that just never, never the, been slapped. The Liberal Democrats, they're shit. They're the first one. Dude, Liberal Democrats are getting. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna yeah. be that's gonna be messy. Pointless. Labour one, Labour once upon a time. Prescott. Yeah, and when they had actual working class MPs. Yeah. Now I don't know, like Ed Miliband. I've got to say, of anyone in Parliament, I think he's probably the worst. Him and Reese Mogg. If you wanted a comedy punch up. Yeah, it'd be like two cats. Yeah, well, I, I think I think like um, Reese Mogg would go Queensby rules. Yeah. Do you think he'd be like that? So, come on. Yeah, no, he'd be up for it. And then Miliband would just be a shower of fucking limbs and dribble. Yeah. He um, be. And, and he'd, he'd start crying as well. The moment there was a little bit of a bruise. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm t- I'm tough enough. I'm tough enough. Yeah. Um, so I think the two main parties. I'm not seeing it. I guess the SNP might have a bit of clout, but the SNP. The problem is, is I don't get the impression that they are like the people that they represent. You no. get the odd. So Mary Black, she could probably throw right yeah. hand up, I think. But what about um, Lisa Nandy? I reckon she'd fucking be... I reckon she'd yeah, be. yeah, proper, like, hold my earrings. Her yeah. and Rainer, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, you know, outside a nightclub, all right, fucking hell, we're going to get fucking stiletto in your fucking eye. Yeah, uh, yeah, you could see it, couldn't you? You could yeah. see the three of them, Nandy... Rainer and Jess Phillips yeah. stomping out. Yeah, Jess, hold me back. I'm <laughs> going to fucking nutter. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that we give it to the Labour Party yeah. based, on, based on the women. Based on the women. Um, the women. Lisa Nandy, I reckon, has got a sweet headbutt. Fucking right on the kisser. Bosh. Well, the, um, Andy mentioned Michael Gove as, as, as potentially a weak link. I don't see that. I think guys like that have got a lot of inner rage. I do. If you, if you can go out clubbing in Aberdeen on your Jack Jones and do it with confidence as one of, as a high profile Tory, yeah. I think maybe he likes a fight. Yeah, no, I can't see it. I can't see it. Who, the rage though that you know the one of those surprising yeah, guys that just gets be like that. pushed he'd be all limp. Yeah, he'd be like one of those those inflatable things outside a petrol station. You know the ones that go like that. <laughs> That's how he'd fight. He'd be useless. No, mate. No, 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 no. Okay, that does more or less bring us to the end of, of this week's show. I want to thank my excellent guest, um, Francis Foster. I wish him all the best in his new sort of crush on David Davis. I hope that goes all right. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's a good man and uh, young for his age. See, this is how they. This is how you go Tory, mate. You just need to identify with one guy. Yeah, you know, like be like in Greek society, you know, where the older man would take a younger lover and show him the ways of the. <laughs> <laughs> philosophy um, what should we look out for for you so you've got the gig just reinforced that at the Etcetera Theatre in April yeah. uh, obviously you, you get on your Twitter because you're, you're you're producing these great clips there and uh, trigonometry wise you've got Piers Morgan coming up any other big guests we should look out for uh, so yeah so follow me on Twitter Francis J Foster on Instagram I need more Instagram followers Jeff so Francis J Foster on the old Instagram. yeah give me a follow as well it's all happening on fucking Instagram now yeah it is mate we, we've been left behind we, we, yeah, we're just getting old um, and what else is going on with Trig? So we've got uh, Piers Morgan. We've just got loads of huge guests. I can't even... But Piers is a big one. Check out our interview with Piers. Uh, he talks about COVID and he talks about... He regrets his behaviour, Jeff. Well, that is definitely Piers Morgan effectively saying sorry. Yeah, that doesn't that, that doesn't come around very fucking often. Uh, so worth tuning in for. And uh, I'll be back next week. It just remains to thank Francis Foster for being a brilliant guest once again. Well, pleasure to be here, Jeff. Love coming on the show. See you next week. <laughs>